This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Take those things as they come, right? Um, I'm, I'm super enjoying extra time with my kids. You, you've got to uh, find joy in this dystopian hellscape <laughs> the COVID-19 reality we live in. Yeah, Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David. How are you guys doing? I'm great. I am... I don't know what day it is. Uh, Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> um, I. It, it is Monday. Um, I know that much. It's raining outside and I'm glad to be indoors talking about Legion with, uh, with my fellow co-hosts. So I'm doing pretty good. Sweet. So yesterday, my kids fought over uh, whose side of the bathtub had more bubbles in it. Wow. So I'm about ready for the playgrounds to reopen. And um... So I would just like <laughs> to ask, were they counting the bubbles or was this just like a general, like, you know, assessment of like various bubble viscosities? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're one and three, so they're not, you know, my daughter can count to like... 15 to 20 but you know it's like there were bubbles covering the entire surface of the of the tub so you know it was it was more of an abstract uh toddler brain moment where you just assume that your sibling has has it better you know slightly higher stack of bubbles over on that other side um so yeah zero chill (laughs) you know it's it's an insight into the toddler uh, value assessment Right. It's all about it's all about the bubbles and the the Paw Patrol toys. Um, <laughs> the simpler, the simpler Yikes. life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was part of my day yesterday. Honestly, it was hilarious because uh, you know you got to take those things as they come, right? Um, I'm I'm super enjoying extra time with my kids. You've got to uh, find joy in this dystopian hellscape <laughs> COVID-19 reality we live in. Yeah, um, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, I have not got much painting done. <laughs> not recently. <laughs> Don't worry. Neither have I. Uh, but I have played some Legion games. At least I played one Legion game over the weekend. Um, hey. So there was that. You did. Yeah. I was there. You did. You casted it. I did. You, you, it, it was it was a good time. Yeah, you got any? I mean, we don't have to like dissect the game, but you got any high level thoughts? High level thoughts. Um, so it was a droid mirror match, uh, which was fun and different. Um, it was basically strike teams versus no strike teams, in that you guys all brought the same units, except one was strikes and one was not. Um, I don't know. I think it was it was a very interesting match. I would encourage people to watch it on Dash's TV. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think that a lot of it, it, it was very skillful play. You got a unit deleted very early. Was <laughs> that was not skillful play. <laughs> it was it was awesome. I was like, I had been talking for like the last like 10 to 15 minutes about how Kyle never makes aggressive plays. Then <laughs> you like put him over on the board edge and I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. 
it was uh, an aggressive play, and uh, I lost them immediately on the first activation of the next yeah. turn. <laughs> and like it, it was funny because I had been talking like five minutes before that about like whenever Kyle gets aggressive with like his lightsaber character, he immediately regrets it. <laughs> and uh, there we were. Yeah, and LJ obviously is LJ is obviously a very good player, and he saw that opportunity and punished me for it. So, um, yeah. But uh, you know, eventually, um, I slugged it out. And uh, we won. I won on points tie. Um, but uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those moments where, like, from Anchorman, um, as soon as I finished moving them up there, I was like, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I will say is that um, it uh, was kind of a, a really good showcase of of being able to leverage like a unit's range band, like multiple units across your army's range bands to like manage threat ranges of your opponent and hedging them out by activating the correct units in the right order. Um, you know, I, I think that, you, you know, that's something that you generally do very well um, by like identifying which units you can kind of go in first with on one turn or go in last with another turn to basically take the most opportune shots without taking return fire. Um, like it was very clear throughout the game that the LJ had decided that he was going to take an aggressive position over the middle K position, key position. And you had decided very early on in the game that you were going to play the long game and that like, you were actually backing away from the key position on turns three and four with some units in order to kind of manage that threat bubble. Yeah, and I mean, I was kind of forced into playing it that way because I lost my heaviest hitter uh, on the first activation of turn two, right? Um, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, you lost Dooku on turn two? Or no, the no, BX sorry. The, the full BX. Oh, the full BX. Because I was about yeah. to ask, you had a full BX with shields, and then um, uh, LJ, your opponent, had two full BXs with Vibra Swords. He had right? three BXs. Three, yeah. three full BXs with Vibra Swords. That's insanely points heavy. <laughs> well, so, not as much it, as you it, would think. Yeah, it wasn't super mm. points heavy because there was no heavy weapon in any of Oh, them. okay, so it's not full. It's actually just a naked with a, a sword, essentially. Yep. There was four four-man BX squads with Vibros. Didn't he also have a jammer on each one? He had he had two jammers and I think one uplink. I mean, that's really nasty, man. Like, that's hard to... If they get in with you and you can't give orders to the units that need the orders, you're kind of in trouble. What was hilarious about it was that Kyle had a full BX commando squad with a sniper and a four man BX squad wiped it out in one shot. <laughs> yeah. That's also funny. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was, it was something that's like was not supposed to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not supposed to happen. What? <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it was like, you know, your stormtrooper squad with a DLT got wiped out by a naked stormtrooper squad. Like, yeah. It just, that, that was not quite, not yeah. that it's completely the same, yeah. but it's naked know. storms. Don't throw eight dice. Right, right, yeah. yeah. But they can but, still roll two crits. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> yeah. I've lost units to this. They take you to Value Town, those naked trooper squads. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, they were out of position. LJ punished me for it. And uh, we slugged yeah. it out for five more turns. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the way you played the rest of the, the game was 
indicative of how a good game of Legion should be played. And I think it was sort of a little bit of I'm you made some mistakes, so it's maybe it's not a masterclass, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's a uh, um it definitely was a very good showcase of how to do that. Well, uh, it was it was a fun game. I'm I'm always um, grateful to get to play LJ. So, um, yeah. Was it interesting? Uh, how like I have to ask because you know Mike was saying earlier about you know it's a it's a a clinic and activating the units at the right time. How much easier must that be with CIS being able to replicate orders across this entire army? Right now, you like. <laughs> You're like extra now. Now you're extra punished if you activate the wrong unit, because well, your opponent yeah. has a perfect response to you. Well, you know how anal I am about uh, activation control. Well, right? yes, that's why. I like that's why CIS speaks to me. Um, yeah, I can just I can just do exactly what I want whenever I want. To. It it was funny on turn like five or six. It actually became like very apparent that. Uh, he was gonna like not get a couple order tokens down and like you could tell he was getting frustrated even though we couldn't like see him on camera or whatever um (laughs) like moving the mouse around like he was clearly trying to figure out a way to do it like the turn before and he just like it it wasn't gonna happen it was like physically impossible in that instance i like it was basically irrelevant um yeah still it still pissed me off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like i didn't even have him on comms and like i could tell just by the way he was like interacting with the tts environment i was like oh <laughs> he's upset <laughs> i think it, i think on those last two turns there was a couple instances where um like ai triggered and i think that yeah. tilted me more than like losing an entire <laughs> me x <in> <laughs> i was like damn it where's my base up <laughs> sorry language right. um Anyway, yeah. So that was that game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's our bracket is super tough. Um, I have no uh, illusions about getting out of it. Um, but uh, that was a good step in the right direction. It, yes, LJ is a very tough opponent. So, um, yeah, and uh, he's got some games left to play too. Obviously, so who knows? Anything, anything could happen. I think, I think out of our bracket, it's going to be probably two foreign ones um, advancing. So. Um, LJ's not by by no means out of it either. So, so you guys, uh, you didn't get to play, but you saw some interesting, saw and casted some interesting games over the weekend. Um, you got some some uh, fun, like list or um, game anecdotes to talk about. Yeah. Um, well, so in uh, in not perfect order control land. Uh, we have to make do with using, with also with using HQ uplinks and units with coordinate. And uh, Mitro Keen, a player out of Group Six, who's actually a local to me, he's a Bay Area player, um, was playing a Cassian Jin list, like kind of a Rogue One list, but it was being backed by Rebel veterans with uplinks. And um, it was it was quite cool the way that uh, Infiltrate affected his game against Ben of uh, Team Relentless. Um, ben is running his uh, activation spam, his Imperial activation spam. So, you know, he's got like, you know, something like two E-webs and three snipers, you know, just a bunch of bunch of stuff, right? And more activations than you. And he's able to just, you know, bury you in, in, in dice, essentially. Um, but Keegan, Keegan really pulled off some crazy shenanigans on the Endor map. And I think we had an episode of our own show where we said, hey, you know, Infiltrate's going to be pretty good on this Endor map. And then um, 
Well, some evaporators got deployed in some interesting places that weren't exactly totally accessible for Ben. And then, um, you know, if you drop Bistan and Jin with the uh, infiltrate right next to your opponent's vulnerable evaporator, they might just have a little bit of a hard time getting it away from you, especially when you snap off two of their strike teams in the first round. Um, it, it's going to be tough, tough for you to, to go from there. And that's actually exactly what we saw. We saw Jin and Abistan, who rolled incredibly hot, just murderize some strikes early. And that really kind of kind of upset the balance of things. And, and then in the center, you had sniper strike teams um, shooting into the middle against like E-webs and shores. But the funny thing is, when you have HQ uplink, you also have the ability to fire support your snipers with your Mark II blasters. And so we saw some like fire support and sniper shots just murderizing these uh, Imperials in the center. And it was really quite tough. Um, and, and I just want to say that Ben is running like Officer Bosk as the as the leaders in his list versus like, you know, these crazy units like Jin and Cassian and, and K2 um, who are just much higher quality. I mean, Bosk is still really good. Don't get me wrong. But he, he did end up kind of not doing enough to secure victory in that match. Whereas Jin and Bistan and uh, K2 and uh, Cassian were just extremely active throughout the entire game. And with Infiltrate, um, Ben was just really in trouble. In fact, I don't think he ever got his Vaporator to full at any point during the entire match. And uh, it was just a really cool, like, different thing to see. And, and it's always nice to, like, see a rebel list where orders are actually semi-plentiful because of uplink and coordinate. And I really do think uplink solves a lot of issues for the rebels in the order control department, and especially when you can uplink a unit that can then issue another order like the veterans can. So suddenly you had, you know, a 10 or 11 activation rebel list that was able to get like, you know, six face-ups, and that's pretty much what you need. Six to seven, in fact. Seven if you tap both uplinks at the same time and then have a three pip. Uh, oh, and how can I forget to mention... Um, so Jin has this command card called Complete the Mission, which is probably her best command card. If, oh, you play it, if you play it on turn one, it turns out you can just go wherever you want to go. You basically turn into CIS for a little while because uh, a lot of these guys, you know, had face-ups, right, with, your, with their uplinks. So you've got a bunch of units that don't get the effects of suppression. It's got the same writing style as, like, you know, My Ally is the Force where you hit an HQ uplink with my allies, the force, and you get a dodge because you have a face up. Complete the mission works the same way with suppression immunity. So the rebels were like suppression immune across their entire army for like a turn. And that helped them move up really fast and get those blasters into range three to start their fire support shenanigans. So um, uh, Mitchell King kind of has this reputation of playing rebel jank. And this is like one of the coolest, jankiest plays that's like secretly good that I've ever seen. So I thought that was a really sweet thing to watch. And I think the, I don't, I forget if I streamed it or what, but um, I think I did stream it. It was on the, yeah. <laughs> it all together. <laughs> yeah. Yikes, dude. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, there's, dude, there are so many games I going know, on right now. This league is, this league is huge. Okay. Didn't like Zach say like, there's like 400 games that need to get played. Yeah. In group stage. Yeah. So there's just a huge amount of games that have to get played. Yeah, there's 196 players, and everybody has to play five games. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't talk about the full list, um, but it's basically like Jin, Cassian, right? They've both got offensive push. 
Uh, Cassian has environmental gear, which I love. And of course, you can load out into the other stuff. He had like a full loadout on Cassian, right? You know, Hunter, O-Push, environmental gear, and then in loadout, Endurance, Overwatch, and Intel. You've got K2SO, who also happens to have an uplink, dude. That's a pretty sweet addition on K2, getting him an order on the one-pip turns for both Cassian and Jin. And of course, the veterans, which are running Comtex and uplinks with their Mark II blasters. There's only uh, two veteran squads and two blaster squads. No other core units, so only four core units. This has kind of been like the... I view that as like the next best Rebel Core alternative to just running three nakeds. Like if you're going to invest in Rebel Core, like make it some good investment, right? And I think veterans have one of the better, um, I think it's some of the better points investments you could make if you were going to invest in Rebel Cores. I know there's a lot of talk about the DLT 20 squad, but I think veterans have. <laughs> oh, I think. Can, can, can you guys just like throw down and like, <laughs> and like have this fight? Because, you know, like I, I was waiting. You're like, oh man, these vets are pretty good. And like Kyle's over here, like hammering like Rebel DLT, Rebel DLT for like weeks. Well, well, it's, it's unique. It's unique because Rebel Veterans with Jin is like an interesting combo because Complete the Mission basically gives you like droid status for levels of suppression ignorance for a little while, right? Like, droids yeah. don't have to care that much about suppression because they're special rules. Uh, unfortunately, all us, all us, you know, plebeian biologicals have to worry about that. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> so complete, what? The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak, exactly. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to care about suppression. And so Jin helps us, you know, not have to care for, like, a turn. And so that's, you know, that's really nice for her. And then um, you've also got Pathfinders. Like, okay, how many copies of Uplink are in this list? One, two, three, four. Yeah, four copies of Uplink in this list to give you some idea. So he paid 40 points to get that additional rubble or to get that additional order control on all the relevant units. He has no bid, by the way, which is also something else. Running infiltrate units without a bid. The balls on this man running uh, infiltrate with no bid. I kind of really, uh, I kind of really dig that. But uh, the rest of the list basically is a Bistan Paths unit with uplink offensive push, which, you know, makes a ton of sense. Bistan would love to get a name token in there somewhere. Um, and then Rebel Commandos, you know, two strikes to kind of just, you know, get up to 10, which is kind of like the minimum nowadays for competitive. Although there are, I mean, unless you're clones, right? Clones run nine and can still get away with it because they're usually running a tank or Obi-Wan. I think well, Luke, Luke Cook was playing with a nine the other day. If they I can recall. they can run ten or eleven. Oh, of course. Yeah, just to be clear, my invader list is a Republic eleven activation list. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, dude, there are tons of like there are tons of like um, Rex Padmes now in League that are running ten or eleven. Yeah, there's a ton of those, and also yep. Rex only because you know Luke Cook popularized this Rex only list with eleven acts, calling it Rex Star or whatever. It's a terrible name. We got to come up. I actually like it. I don't know why everybody is so upset about Rex Star. Should, should we explain where this comes from, so that people, if you want to, <laughs> yeah. So there's a this is a total tangent, but like in there's a lot of different games where like a ball of elite units is called a Death Ball or Death Star. Jump in here if I'm if I'm mis mischaracterizing. Oh this. no, that's accurate. If anything okay. gets close to it, it dies. Basically, yeah, right. So that's like the embodiment of a clone list with Rex, right? You have a ball of elite units who can share all of each other's tokens, and you have Rex. So Death Star, Rex Star, that's where it comes from. It's not yeah. like 
Yeah, it is. I think I think Kingsley's running an even better version of that list, which uses two full arc teams with offensive. I mean, so disgusting. It's gross. It's unsurprising, and I don't know if we want to talk about it today, but I do think that Kingsley may have landed on the best Republic list. It's possible. I, you know, I mean, like I, I had tried, sort of tried to make it work um, the way I wanted it to, but I never really landed on the list he landed on. And I took one look at it and I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he figured it out, I think, you know, yeah. um, and I'm, and I'm not, I mean, I am sort of saying that I think it's like the best list by a lot. Um, but I mean, it's, it's possible it might not go the distance, but I do think that it's scary good, barring like some insane level of unluckiness. I would, I would be very surprised to see it not make it. Yeah, I mean, you've yeah, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, yeah. I, I don't um, want to like spoil his list. If I mean, obviously, those in his group know what it is. Um, but if he does, if he wants to keep it inside the group at the moment, that's his. Uh, he hasn't been streamed yet, so that's his right at the moment. But ah. um, didn't it get posted somewhere? Not no, not the not all the individual lists. Um, okay. Yeah, they're only posted to your in to your round robin groups. Okay. I mean, they're essentially out there at that point, but you know, I know yeah. some people are uh, worried about it. Yep. So. Yeah. But- um, yeah, so super exciting about Keegan's list there. Um, I love to see a Jin Cassian K two Pathfinder list that's actually like pretty good. So yeah, and like also it also has veterans in it, so it just like pushes all the buttons for me. It's like oh man, these units that are like almost good enough. If I'm being absolutely brutal about list building, are actually like murdering things and doing well. And it's like okay, maybe there's some hope there. You know, yeah. rebellions are built know. on hope, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A hundred point Rebel Core units are like. That's all I ask, but I don't know. Yeah, if you're yeah, getting in I their think... face though with the infiltrators, like yeah, I guess well, I that's kind know. of the like, theory. I... That's sorry, sorry, Mike, Kyle. This is your theory, right, about rebel cores in general? Is that you just give them something else to shoot, right? Yeah, like rebels have targets that are durable. You just need to make your opponent shoot them. <laughs> yeah, they just don't throw six dice after taking four wounds. <laughs> <laughs> all right i thought we'd avoid all this yeah stuff. sorry i'm just going there i'm, I'm going there man <laughs> yeah i mean i just i'm not sure that cassian and Jin are durable enough to hold up under pressure most of the time no i mean i i think this archetype is probably better with luke like most things are better with luke um but i can definitely see this working you know luke can't infiltrate so if you're going all in on the infiltrate play uh, which he essentially is um yeah i think this is a good way to do it yeah, and it, that kept that kept like Bosk off his cores, right? Because Bosk yeah. was like, "How the heck am I handling this infiltration?" And Bosk was shooting like maximum danger sensed pathfinders all game, and actually having his stuff deflected because the saves came up, and like danger sense decided to work. Yep. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Man, when danger sense works, it really freaking works. It, it works. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. But yeah. All right, Mike, you got a uh, you got a moment or a list. Well, uh, it's funny. David already brought it up to some degree, um, but I wanted to talk about... No, you're good, dude. You're good. You shot it down a little bit. I'm going to boost it up to the pillar that it should be on. Um, But uh, I'm going to talk about Ben's 
uh, Embueja, I think that's how you say his name. He's yeah. 13 activation Bosclus. I think it is really good. Um, you clearly have to play it correctly, and but like none of the activations in it are inherently bad, which I think is insane for a, 15, a 13 activation list. Um, it's it's just a generic officer, Bosk, three strike teams, three mortars, three full shore units, and two e webs, and I think like. <clears throat> 10 of those 13 activations you can solidly say are good enough to be in any list just generically right like the strike teams the mortars shores bosk all great yeah um the e-webs definitely leave something to be desired but like they add the fourth and fifth core units worth of firepower to the list right um and the officer is clearly there by like mandatory means because you don't have a commander, but is basically handing out aims like a mini veers. Um, also, it's got like a sixteen point bid or something stupid. Let me. Uh, yeah, mean, it's, it's got, got kind of a nutty bid. bid. Yeah, it's got a fifteen points. So like, so thirteen activation, fifteen point bid list. Most of the activations in it are good. Like clearly, there are there are weak points, right? Like if you lose multiple low cost activations, you can find yourself in real trouble. But the list is similarly to to me. It feels like a ton list without all the bad naked rebel troopers in it. Um, to some extent, like it's trying to do something very similar, and then it's leveraging the activations to like go last with your powerful units and force your opponent into plays that they can't respond to. So, you know, in this list, clearly you don't have Tauntauns. It's not a 12 activation Taunt list, but you do have Bosk and you have three short troopers that are going to, you know, go last at the end of each turn. I mean, assuming that you're up against an average enemy list and you play standing orders and you're going last, like you can go last with Bosk and two or three short troopers without them being able to punish you, Um, which is insanely powerful. I, I think the biggest failing might be, well, I don't know. The biggest failing is really like just the lack of the lack of upgrades on the shores, and that you have a lot of turns where the shores aren't getting targeting target because you're having I to think, control Bosk. Yeah, I think that that's very fair. I think that this list is good, except for when it's behind. I don't think it does a good job of finding a way back from a game that it's that it's starting to lose, right? Like it doesn't really have a piece that says, okay, I'm going to get back in this game. It's got a bunch of pieces that say um, when we're added together and we're going to like incrementally advantage out advantage you, right? Like this is a list that is going to beat you up over small incremental steps based on gaining a range advantage or an activation advantage. It's there's, it's never going to take one chunk out of you all at the same time like a Luke would or even Tauntauns would. Yeah, it's it's definitely like the classic MSU style. When I say MSU, I mean multiple small unit. It's just a bunch of stuff that works together to just take down, you know, uh, Gulliver, I guess, the enemy list. In this case, I'm using the Gulliver's Travels kind of metaphor. It's just a bunch of little dudes who are trying to take down the big dude. Yeah. And that, they all work together. And like you say, like, that's, that's the key. And especially to like... You say it functions like a Tauntaun list. Well, it functions exactly like a Tauntaun list in that 
it's really, really strong as long as it outactivates you. But yep. then as soon as things get close to equal, its power level by comparison goes way down because the quality is horrible of each unit, I mean. Yeah. I do think that to some degree, because it's so inflated, it can afford to lose a unit or two before that starts happening. Like, you you can feel okay about losing an E-Web, I think, or right. even, like, a strike team and a mortar and going down to 11 most of the time. Right, E-Web um, are, are, like, a good chaff unit, right? Because they're, they're 55 points, and they have the Sentinel keyword, so you're fine if they go early. They have range 3 standby built in. You know, and if they're shooting an EWEB, you're like, fine, shoot my EWEB. Don't shoot all the other good stuff in my list, right? Right. And you're like, if you want to shoot this EWEB, if you want to move up and shoot this EWEB, like, well, great. Now all the rest of my list has range on you, right? Yeah, um, marvelous. I, all my range four <laughs> is going to murder murder you now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was just something I had seen in Invader that I thought was worth talking about. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the Bosks lists bosk lists that we've seen um in the past had been a you know somewhere between 10 and 11 activations um yep. this one that's just struck me as so something that's a bit more robust than that yeah and it definitely like people are also trying to find ways to run shores like well after the comms relay nerf yeah it's like what happened what happens to the shore trooper and this is definitely a, a style that you can do I, I personally just think you could run the same aggressive tactics chronic list, but swap the comm relays for targeting scopes and murder people even harder. But um, that's just me. Uh, Ben's, you know, doing his, doing his thing. And yeah, 13 activations is really intimidating when you have strong last plays like Bosk and Shores. Yeah. I mean, when you get up with this list, right? Like, and, and you start deleting their activations before they start touching yours, you know, and you start snowballing it to like you have a five or six activation advantage. It feels really dirty. Yeah, you just grind your opponent under because it's like you can't do anything to me safely anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of jealous actually. I feel like I would love this list, and uh, I'm sad that that Ben thought of it. And I... <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding, Ben. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like an extension of the classic eleven activations Veers Bosk list, except you're basically saying, you know, how much better is Veers really than an, an officer? And also, let's just replace those stormtroopers with shore troopers, yeah, and mortars. Uh, it makes complete sense too to run the generic instead of Veers because what does Veers actually bring to this list? like recover it's like who actually cares about that right now yeah hardly anyone if, if your units need to recover in this list like you're already behind like yeah. way behind like you shouldn't well, even be no, taking no suppression no <laughs> yeah there's no recoverable upgrades so yeah exactly doesn't yeah. evasive maneuvers is irrelevant maximum firepower is nice but you know i think you'd rather have an ambush for bosk yeah. yeah or or even a shore you know in the right place to last first yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, speaking of lists, let's real quick hit. Uh, we actually got this list topic idea from a listener. Um, so uh, let's hit just how we think about building a list for a tournament and in advance of a tournament. And if you guys have like, um, you know, real examples from previous tournaments that you want to talk about your process, uh, go nuts. Okay, uh, so I'm just going to open with 
the list that I was preparing for Worlds that didn't happen. Um, and uh, so I was planning on uh, bringing the new Vader. Um, and so I guess for me, when I'm building a list, uh, a couple key factors are always in my mind. First, the list has to serve a purpose, right? Like you're not just building a list to build a list. You're building a list to do something functional. Um, and in this case, it, I was attempting to build a list that was going to abuse Operative Vader as much as possible. Um, and so that was the goal. And uh, I start, generally where I go next is I'm like, okay, what do I need to make the list work? And in, in this case, really the only thing I needed was Operative Vader. And then I said, okay, how, what is the best way to abuse a unit in Legion? Most of us know the answer to that question. It's put that unit in the highest activation count list possible. That's like reasonable, right? And so I landed somewhere, uh, I think it was on an 11 activation list that was um, an officer, three snipers, six core units, an operative vader. Um, and that's kind of where I started. Um, I played a bunch of games, probably... 15 to 20. Um, I liked the list. It was okay. Um, I found that it struggled specifically against units, uh, Operative Luke. It struggled against Tauntauns. Um, it struggled against lists that brought multiple threats in at the same time. And the issue I was having was that Operative Vader can only be in one place at a time. Um, and I was struggling to deal with those situations. So what I decided to do from a list building perspective was say, okay, I need a second unit that can, um, you know, Kyle would call it a linebacker unit, right? And so I decided to throw kind of a traditional uh, linebacker unit in, in the form of a Royal Guard unit. Um, and it brought my activation count down a little bit. So I got to do a little bit less of what I wanted to do with um, the uh, abusive nature of what I was trying to do originally. And I was giving up a little bit in order to kind of solidify it against lists that I believed we were going to be facing it in the facing in the meta. Um, in this case, Tauntaun's operative Luke. Uh, and, I kind of like pitched it back at um, all of the medalists that I was running it against. And I decided that's what I ended up deciding on. We'll never know if it was, yeah. if it was the list, but um, I guess what my kind of thought process with this is come up with, you know, the basis of your list, um, fill in the rest of it generally with good reasons. Um, I, I, Personally, my play style tends to favor higher activation lists when at all possible. Um, and then just test the crap out of it and adjust it based on the results of those tests. Yeah, and we talked um, on a previous episode about the concept of like creating a gauntlet uh, of metal lists and then testing and refining your list against, against those. Um, 
and that's essentially what you're describing, right? You came up with a list you wanted to play. You uh, tested it numerous times against what you expected to see at the tournament, and then you, you know, uh, sort of shaved around the edges to come up with the answers that you felt you needed based on that. Yeah. yeah. And I made Gordon Chase's life miserable. <laughs> I was going to say, you're talking about uh, facing a lot of high threat units shoved in your face. It sounds like you were playing Gordon a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I played a, a lot of games against Luke Sabine double taunt on. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good stress test for a list like, like that, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and I, yeah, it 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 also made me miserable a little bit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a. I mean, I played games against Gordon too. We were sort of part of the same testing process, and man, that's so uncomfortable. Like every activation, you're just like, <laughs> he's got this like, un- <laughs> yeah, he's got this like uncanny knack to be able to like bring all four units to bear against your army, like at the exact same time in different places. And like his order control is terrible as far as like, he doesn't have uplinks in his list. He doesn't like, he just like doesn't believe that he needs that stuff. And he doesn't to some degree, yeah. like he, he know he's, he's good enough to, to operate without stuff like that. And um, it's just like, Every time I played against that list, it was like I, I felt like I was like backed into a corner fighting with like a knife in both hands, and like I was just flipping a coin to see if I would survive or not. And, yeah, uh, sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so cool. Yeah. Well, what about you, David? You got what's your process? Well, I I can like I think I really want to speak to just like. Um, the first step, which is like, you know, once you choose what you want to play, right? Like you sort of like look at a unit and you'd be like, okay, I want to build a list around this unit. What, what, what can this unit actually do? And then you sort of look for, um, you look for power pairs, right? So the first like power pair that comes to mind is Leia and Tauntauns, right? Specifically the uplink Tauntauns with the, the giant uplink move for no time for sorrows, right? That's like, so, so you look for these like powerful combinations. Um, another one, of course, right now is Commander Luke and Cassian Andor because Cassian Andor gives Commander Luke a free recover with a three pip and also gives him a crazy token stack with last stand once Luke is wounded. It, you, can't, you can't see this, but, uh, but Mike is making like puking motions because I'm talking about the strength of, the, strength of these combos and how strong they are. Um, so like you basically look for you look for a powerful combo and then you're like okay let me make sure all my command cards are functioning in this combo so one of the biggest like mistakes i think i see when people build lists is it is people run cassian and k2 but then they also want to run tauntauns and it's like no guys um cassian's lists or cassian's command cards don't really synergize with supports they synergize with special forces so it kind of creates a, a situation where you're running this you know you're not you're not making full use of all your resources. Now it's obvious like you can say, is it stronger to use these command cards on the heroes themselves? Because obviously they can target themselves, but then you have a problem with getting with getting orders on your units. So you're trying to find like you're trying to find like combinations that are strong and also run smoothly in terms of what you can bring. Um and then like when I list build, it's like, okay, well. I need probably two snipers because 
they're just such good they're just such good quality acts um i've run three and two snipers in my list before two you have to have a really good reason not to run three i feel usually because you're trying to run like a pathfinder or you're trying to run you know wookie or something like that for rebel specifically um i think for clones like you can get away with running two arc strikes because you know maybe maybe you get that fifth phase one and phase two in there excuse me but you basically have to just like come up with you have to come up with a justification for making the choices you're making and i mean like a strong one your, your list has to have a why like why are you doing this why are you bringing these what what do you hope to get done um you also have to look at this from the objective side um you know tauntauns don't do evaporators for example and you're like well if i get evaporators what do i think my chance of losing is and so that might influence like why what you what you need to do bidding wise right cuz in like we see a tauntaun list taking strong bids because now you can make battle decks that have you know basically perfect synergy with your list there are no bad objectives for you in this battle deck you you can run them all very effectively so that's why that's why you would take a bid or you wouldn't take a bid like you just have to make sure that everything serves a purpose when you list build and um it's true for like when you move you know you don't just you can't actually make any move you want you can't actually build any list you want if you want to go far in competition because, that, because that's very true that's very true yeah so you just have so i mean let's look at the primary like and i'm, I'm looking at the, the list of the question our, our listener asked us here and um i mean that's that's really the process you just have to figure out why you take the units you take and you have to have a very strong why and 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 meta wise like yeah you know i've i considered not running Tauntauns for Invader League Five because there's a lot of a lot of hate for Tauntauns that came out in the latest wave. You've got you know these big tanks with high velocity and critical, and you've got uh, Dooku with his initiative stealing, who's extremely popular, and you've got uh, an, an order token stripping, for example, on Dooku as well. You basically cannot leave a Tauntaun within like range three of Dooku, or you're going to get snapped off. It's it's pretty he's pretty strong against them, um, so. Yeah, you just have to think about how units interact. Like that's the that's the big thing, and and try to come up with a mental like picture of how these interactions are going to go. And I think that'll help that'll help guide your guide your list building. And, and you know, think about what the latest units are and what what might be popular at whatever event you're going to, and try to like you know just incorporate some some calculus there behind why you take units you take. Yeah, and I think, I mean. I think you can sort of like, I mean, you can't play literally whatever you want, but of I think I think you can play a list concept and probably a character that you want. Um, insofar as like, if I look at my, uh, <laughs> probably my, maybe this is not a good example because these are probably my two sloppiest uh, list building processes. Um, the first would be Invader League Season 3 when I ended up playing Veer's Bosk. And I had never played Empire um, up until that tournament. Not even like a practice game. Um, I was a Rebel player and I'm like, you know what? I need to see what the other side looks like. I'm going to play Empire. And um, and I like the concept of Bosk, I think, will fit my play style. So, um, but I had like no time. Ultimately, I, I didn't manage to get any practice games in. So I went in cold uh, with Veer's Bosk <laughs> and then it ended up working. Um 
but that was like that was just the thing where I'm like, I want to play Empire, I want to play Bosk. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it and build a list around it. And I think I think if you follow like sort of the core basic competitive list building guidelines, which is you want to make sure you have enough activations, right? You you probably want ten. You can get away with nine with certain clone lists. Um, you know, you want to think about having like a focus piece or more accurately enough focus pieces that you can get orders to. And then the rest of your list you want to make as timing neutral as possible. Um, so like in that example, right, the focus piece was Bosk. And then I just filled it out with a bunch of Stormtroopers, Snipers, and Veers, all of which are timing neutral activations. Um, you know, and then you got to think about answers, right? Uh, and that's something that you guys talked extensively about already. But what do I expect to see? And does this list I'm building have have the answers in it to deal with those things. Um, so it's, you know, y- you can play things that maybe you're like, you haven't previously played and you just want to try as long as you sort of understand how to fit them into like the, you know, the, the fundamentals of what makes a, like a generally good list. Like what makes a generally good list is going to be consistent for the most part from faction to faction and from, commander to commander and from operative to operative um so you can kind of slot them in if that makes sense yeah like making sure there's no dead command cards for example not even standing orders like making sure you can actually play every card in your hand is like step one i think yeah i think that's a huge deal i I think something that really speaks to me is like if if at any point you can look at a unit in your army or a command card in your army, or an objective, or whatever, and you ask the question, what does this do? Why is this here? And you're not able to answer that question. It probably shouldn't be there. Yep. You know, yeah, every... and, and that goes that goes to like a naked rebel trooper unit. Like if you can't answer that question for a naked rebel trooper unit in your list, like uh, it probably shouldn't be there. FFG told me I had to. <laughs> yeah, you got to take three of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, but they, even they, in that situation, yeah, yeah, I mean, that like you, you still like those units have a purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, other than you know, I am required by the list building requirements to put them there. There is a reason that they're there, and there is a reason that they don't have heavy weapons on them. It's because they are the units that are going to fulfill those objectives that are as the most efficient as possible, right? Yeah. Um, and like, if they had a heavy weapon, they would actually be worse at their job than if they didn't in those lists. Precisely because now they have to split their attention between doing objectives and shooting. Right. Um, and and I think that when you're building a list, you'll know when it's like done, when you can solidly answer that question for literally everything in the list and be confident with what those pieces are doing. Um, That's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of games because you may not know the answers to the, I mean, you may have pieces in your list that you don't know the answers to until the situations where, you know, it's relevant come up um, unless you've already played a lot of Legion. But I think for the standard Legion player, like some of these questions aren't going to be answerable right like what is what what do you mean why is this stormtrooper unit with a dlt here you know um 
there are answers to those questions and you just have to find them. Um, but if you can never find them, they shouldn't be there. Yeah, sometimes you also run into like a, a I don't know if, how to describe the situation uh, efficiently, but um, like, let's say, let's say, well, I want a minimum of 11 activations in my list that requires you to take certain units, right? Yeah. Like for example, like R2D2 and then three sniper strike teams. And it's like, well, this is actually not universally good, right? Cause there are some lists that have like dedicated R2 killers and some lists that have like your strike teams are useless against like droids, for example, unless you can hit their big pieces, you know? So like, it's sort of like, you have to go in with the understanding that like, if I want this to be true, I have to make these concessions. If I could like reliably find a unit that was good against droids in the way that snipers are good against clones for 48 points, I would replace that third sniper in a heartbeat because then I would have a much more ability to be all around. 100%, but I have to take, I feel like as a, I feel like I have to take the three snipers and the, and the, and the bar two D two, because I get the extra four acts that way. You see what yeah, I mean? I'm, I mean, I think you're right. You know, um, I mean, the answer to a lot of the sniper units is that they're efficient and they're able to boost your activation count. That's why they're there. Right. You know, they have a very, I mean, they also are able to do some other things, but those are the core reasons that they're there. Um, they turn out to be not very good against droids. <laughs> I do want to dispel one myth about just like tactically using snipers against droids. Um, like, I think if you knew that you were facing droids, you, you know, you'd load up your list with flamers and ion and stuff like that. But if the re- reality is, if you're going to a tournament, you know, you got to plan for those, all those other matchups in which those two to three snipers are going to be useful. Right. Yeah. Um, like they're not useless in a CIS matchup. Like you have no. targets, um, you know, B1s are not great targets, but there are other things besides B1s that are good targets. And like also at some point, just speaking as a as a, someone who's currently playing CAS, like you have to kill B1s. Um, oh, totally. It feels like a yeah. waste of time when you're doing it, but you have to do it. And snipers are actually decent at it insofar as like B1s don't get suppression cover, which is significant when you're talking about snipers that you know strip light cover down to none um so if you've got like a droid unit in light cover you can you can continuously shoot that droid unit with your snipers and you know be getting those those one to two reliable like wounds picked up in that light cover even though they're accumulating suppression which you can't normally do um is is that the case or did i pay for a sharpshooter and then wasted it I'm just, just kind of <laughs> this guy. No, I mean not, not quite. <laughs> I, mean. I think no, what you mean is you paid for Pierce in our season. Yes, that's that's mostly true because droids are usually only going to save on one facing out of six. Yeah, but so. you know, Pierce ups your reliability. It's not great against white saves, but it ups your reliability. Oh, oh certainly, yeah. Everybody yeah. loves Pierce when when shooting tons, for example, because mm-hmm. <laughs> every wound on a tauntaun is just so valuable. Yep. Yeah. So it's, you know, just this is a tangent from our list building, but tactically, like, it's still okay to shoot B1s with snipers. Right. Just feels less good. And yeah. it is less good, just to be clear, than you, shooting a clone unit or a short trooper unit oh, with a sniper. No question. Like, like yeah. it, but you, you still have to do it. Now, 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 we say, now we say it's tangential, but what we're discussing is the why. 
right? We're, we're kind of discussing the why. And, and you do have to, at some level, know these interactions to have the why built in. And like, as you get more experience in Legion, you'll, you'll, you'll have those reasons, right? You'll, you'll have them known, they'll be known, you'll discover them. Yeah, and I mean, I think to kind of extend upon what you're talking about there, Kyle, like, you know, it's important to be able to shoot B1s before they get to you. You know, yeah. like, it's it's important to thin their ranks before the main fight starts. And, you know, range five is good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so, if you take a... Sh- clearly, if, you know, if you can take a open shot at, like, Dooku or a BX strike or something, you do that instead. But... Like, don't feel bad about shooting B1s with snipers. Like, picking up B1s is a thing that you have to do throughout the game. And if, if you if you don't dedicate resources to doing that, uh, you're going to get overrun at some point. So they do die pretty easily when you actually shoot them. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we've rambled about list building a lot. You guys got any final thoughts? I I can't wait till the day that we can actually play this game on a physical table again with any degree of safety. I'm so ready with for you. that day to come. Yeah. Because I online is no substitute, and I miss going on my local, man. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No question. I, I think Huzzah just sent out something that they're going to open up, but you can't be in the store for more than 30 minutes. So. <laughs> Well, you can't play so, 30 minutes. We're going to have to play some really fast skirmish games. <laughs> um, is, is Long March going to be the only eligible deployment? <laughs> That's six feet, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably not as funny as I thought it was. Um, I had to think about it, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> so I don't know if that says more about you or me. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, I'm with you, David. I'm very excited to be able to eventually get back on a real table and play face to face with you guys and with everybody else. Um, and until then, we'll um, continue Invader League for what it's yeah. worth, because that's how you play Legion right now, basically. Um, and uh, you know, uh, we'd encourage people to follow that. There's plenty of streams. You guys both have streams. There's lots of other streams out there. Um, Join the Discord if you're not already on the Discord. Besides Invader League, there's lots of other awesome things going on there. So, um, yeah. Any final thoughts? Final, final thoughts. Final, <laughs> final, final thoughts. Yeah, this is like uh, a Jerry Springer. Final thought. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I just mentioned Jerry Springer. Um, <laughs> if you want to just like bleep over that, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, we should probably keep it in. I mean, that's um, endemic to his, his shows anyway. So I mean, it'd be a little bit of fun, a little bit of irony. Believe the mention of Jerry Springer. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's a joke within a joke. Yeah. Within a joke. Jokes. I, I think. I think the process of list building and refining lists is my favorite part of Legion. Um, I th- try and enjoy it. If you don't, and if you yeah. do, do it as much as you can. Yeah. Get some homies that also like to list build and bounce stuff off each other. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. Stay fresh, cheese bags.
Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. 